Success Insight shares the stories of the people with passion and drive who make things happen in the world. Here's your host, Howard Fox. Good morning, everybody. A happy new year to you all. And we are ready to start the 2020 or the 2020 edition of the Success Insight podcast. And I am so happy to have Shannon Anderson on the podcast with us. She's our first official podcast of 2020. Now, Shannon is an award-winning children's book author and third grade teacher. She is the regional advisor for the Indiana Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators and is on the executive board for the Indiana State Reading Association. She is a frequent presenter at teaching and writing conferences. It goes without saying she loves teaching, she loves presenting, and of course, she's here today because she loves writing, and she's the author of three children's books and a number of books in support of teachers. So, Shannon, Happy New Year to you, and welcome to the Success Insight Podcast. Happy New Year. Thanks for having me. Well, I hope you had a fantastic year, and I mean, there's just a lot of things going on. You're you're a busy lady with, with the writing and presenting, and I found last year on our podcast, we were just, for whatever reason, I don't know if it was attracting or just happened to be, we were getting a lot of children's book authors. And then when you had replied to one of our LinkedIn messages to express an interest, it was like, wow, of course we want to interview you. And I have to say, you've got some phenomenal work out there. So I think the best place to start is at the beginning. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey into teaching and let's go from there. Okay, sure. So this is my 25th year teaching. When I first started out, well, I went to Franklin College and not too far from there was a school called Whiteland Elementary. And I got hired right before I graduated. So I was very fortunate to have a job in place as I walked across the stage for graduation. And I started teaching down there for two years. I started in first grade. And then I ended up starting to get pretty serious with the guy that was from my hometown. He was applying for police jobs in Franklin where I was living and I was applying for teaching jobs back in Rensselaer where I I grew up. And we decided whoever got the job first has to move. So I got the job first. So I moved back to my hometown and that's where I've been ever since. And I was able to go right into another first grade position, which I, I did for 16 years. And then I ended up becoming a writing coach for my school. So I was a gifted and talented coordinator, but also a writing coach for teachers. And I loved that position, but I just got to a point where I really missed having my own kids, my own classroom. That's one of the things that's most fulfilling to me is bonding with those kids all year. They're kind of like another family to you for the school year. You, you spend more time with your students than and waking hours than their own parents do. So you get really close to them. And I missed that because just going in and out of classrooms, you just don't get that bond. After four years of coaching, I decided there was a third grade opening and I decided I was going to go for it. So I asked my principal and they were kind of surprised because not that coaching isn't hard work, but it's a lot less work on the evenings and weekends and all of that. And they were surprised I wanted to go back in and give myself more work, but I just did. So now I've been in third grade for the last five years. That's kind of my background with teaching and where I'm at. In there, I've done other 
teaching things. There's a, a community college in my town that I was an adjunct professor for many years, preparing future teachers to go into the teaching field. And I absolutely love that. Unfortunately, that college ended up going out of business, but I've done other teaching and coaching and PDs for teachers. So I just, I don't know, I guess it's one of those things. I love what Maya Angelou says about when you get, give, and when you learn, teach. And I've just always kind of felt that way. When you get, give, when you learn, teach. That's fantastic. And I'm curious, as this journey that you have been on, had you always known that you wanted to be a teacher? Was there somebody in your life that just kind of inspired you to, to, that you said, this is what I want to do? Well, so my mom was a really young mom. She was 16 when she got pregnant with me and she dropped out of school. She ended up, when I was in high school, she ended up deciding she wanted to go back and get her GED. And I was able to help her do that because of the classes I was taking currently in high school. I was basically her tutor. And that was such a powerful experience to help my own mom graduate from high school as I was preparing to graduate from high school. I saw the power of an education. And not only that, but it took a long time before my mom had other kids. And so my two younger sisters are quite a bit younger than me. And I absolutely loved playing school, being the teacher and teaching them their alphabet and their sounds and all of those things because they're six and eight years younger than me. So I just really enjoyed being able to do that, but also seeing the power and seeing those light bulb moments with my little sisters, but also to see my mom and what an education can do for you. I can imagine when you were growing up with your little sisters and and your mom in the house and your mom needs to get something done. And it's like, Shannon, I need you to watch the girls. (laughs) And you have those two I'm a little bit older than you are, but I remember these really uncomfortable desks. <laughs> so you probably had them sit at their desk and you probably have some type of board. I had a chalkboard. You had the, I, I knew that. <laughs> I, I could just picture that as you were sharing that. Now, are your are your sisters in teaching or they said, okay, we've had enough of teaching because we'll let Shannon do that. Uh, no, they're not in teaching, but my daughter, my oldest daughter right now is at Grace College and she has one more year and she will be graduating as an elementary teacher. Fantastic. Fantastic. Now, when you were going into to the university, call it, to college to study education, become a teacher, had you known or did was it a choice to become elementary versus middle school. We had middle schools in Detroit or high school. Did you have a choice? Did you select the young kids? Yeah, I wanted the young kids. I just, for whatever reason, have always enjoyed kids. And yeah, I just went into that from the get-go. I never really thought about middle school or high school. I always wanted to teach the littlest ones. I feel like They still love school and love learning and you still get the hugs when they're the little ones. And it's funny because I've always said I would either teach the youngest ones or the college kids because the college kids are also there and excited to learn because they're getting to learn things that they're hoping to do with their future. And they see the importance of education again versus in middle school and high school. I think they lose a little bit of that. (laughs) A little bit. So yeah, I've always enjoyed having the little kids. Now, where did the writing interests come in because you mentioned about the, the the writing work that you were doing you know in the schools where did that start to spark an interest or a passion for you had that always been a part of who you were 
I always was one that kept a diary. I even have still my diary from when I was in second grade. Oh, wow. Um, it had a little teddy bear sticker on it and a little lock. <laughs> but I always, always kept a diary. I've always been one that likes to write. And I still have my poems that I used to write from years and years ago. I won my first writing contest in fifth grade. I remember it was at an author visit that they presented the award. So it was a school-wide writing contest. And Jamie Gilson was the author that was visiting. And I remember her standing up there and saying my name that I had won. And I got an autographed copy of her book, Can't Catch Me on the Gingerbread Man. And that was just like, oh, wow. So I not only love to write, but some people like what I'm writing. That kind of led to in high school, my, my high school job was working at a library. And our library at the time, the upstairs was all the adult section and the downstairs was all of the children's section. Parents would come and they'd send their kids downstairs and the children's librarian left at four every day. So I would get off of school at 3.30 so I could be there by four and I would work from four to close, which was eight. So each evening I basically got to be the children's librarian. And I fell in love with books all over again. I already loved little kids. And I loved when kids would come downstairs and they were looking for a book and I could help match them to the perfect book. Just ask them those questions about, well, what do you like? Or what's a book that you love? So I can find either another one by that author or one that's like that. I loved it when I got to be the first one to read a new book that just came into the library. No one else has has had it in their hands yet. So just all of that, I thought, was so cool to see kids enjoy other people's writing and what can be done with that. And then to be able to do that maybe someday myself. I have a scrapbook that I have from my senior year in high school that I wrote down as my, you know, one of the pages says, what do you want to do for your future career? And I had written down, I want to be an elementary teacher and on weekends and summers, write children's books. It was a long time before that happened because it turns out teachers have really busy schedules and weekends and summers aren't necessarily just eating bonbons, but... You mean that that's 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 really not true? I mean, I've always grown up to hear everywhere, yeah, teachers... Yeah, they get three months off, you know, yeah. of work. <laughs> so that's probably not true. Yeah, my husband teases me and says it's a part-time job. And oh, <laughs> I gotcha. You, you know, not. I'm actually glad you brought back in your husband because it sounds like he did move back to your, your city with you and got a nice job in law enforcement. Yeah, he's the chief of police here in town. All right. All right. Just wanted to, to give him the uh, the credit, whatever credit is due to him. <laughs> So when you were in the in the library, it actually brings back a story from one of our guests last year. She was a librarian and she loved the children's books and working with children. And she talked about the the reading chair. And one thing, but one thing she had also talked about is she always used to say when a child would come into the library and they were looking for a children's book, she'd pull a book out and say, Well, this is my favorite book. And she would say that enough that the children would repeat back to her, well, every book is your favorite book. And she goes, well, yeah, in the moment. <laughs> and did you have the favorites or just as they were coming in, all of a sudden, okay, I need to get this book into the hands of as many kids as I can? Yeah, I call it blessing books. <laughs> I still do it in my classroom blessing where books. I have, well, actually at the beginning of the school year, 
I have so many books in my classroom and they're all in these different bins. Like if you like war stories or if you like sports books and all these different bins of books by topics and authors and we do a book tasting. So I put out tablecloths and and placemats and forks and spoons. And I set a book bin in front of them. And for a certain amount of time, they get to taste the books in that bin and they have a book wish list in front of them as they're doing that. And so they can add books that, you know, as they look through the bins, they see things that, oh, I want to definitely read this sometime this year. And it compiles this nice list for them. Then I'll ring some chimes and they'll switch spots and they'll get to taste the books in the next bin. And so in doing that, anytime when we're doing our self-selected reading time, which is a valued favorite time of the day in my classroom, then they're able to go to that list when they do finish a book and say, oh yeah, I remember I wanted to read that book. Because it's so overwhelming. There are so many books. But I will also throughout the year, I tell the kids I'm a book addict. Like if there's a good thing to be addicted to, it's books. And I buy books all the time. And so I will do a book blessing where I will gather the kids around and say, okay, so the book order this month, this is what I got. And I'll talk to them about the books. Maybe I'll read the blurb on the back or I'll tell them about why I bought it or someone that recommended it. And then they'll have their book wish lists out when I do those little book talks and they can add any of those books that they want to. And of course, usually it's a mad dash to the front of the room. Can I have that one next? And so, yes. And I also do the the book chair, just like you're talking about in my classroom. Another thing that I do the very beginning of the school year So each summer, I go to a garage sale and find a wooden chair for like 10 bucks. And I take it home, sand it down, and then I bring it into the classroom and the kids all get to take turns painting on it. And there is no planning for it ahead or anything. I just lay down big garbage bags so the janitor doesn't get upset with me (laughs) and put the chair there and lay out all the paints. And there's no rule except keep it on the chair, of course, but they can do polka dots, stripes, zigzags, whatever, until that whole chair is covered in paint. And it is usually very creative and colorful. And then we let it dry. And then the next day I give them all Sharpies and they can all sign the chair. And it becomes this wonderful place of honor in our classroom to be able to sit, whether it's during read aloud time, I sit there to read a book to the kids. Or when we're doing writing time and I ask a few students to share something that they've written that day, that's where they get to sit. And we call it the author chair. And so it's just a really special place in the room. And one more thing I do with that is I'm really big on kindness. I am the, the leader for the kindness club in my school and we're, I'm on the kindness committee for the school-wide different things that we do for students and staff. And anyway, I have this drawing bucket. So anytime the kids are doing something that's particularly kind, I might say, hey, you know what? Put your name in the drawing. That was really kind of you to do that. And then at the end of the year, I draw out a name from that bucket and that person gets to keep the chair. So they get to take it home and have it because it has that class's names on it. So it's not going to be something that's going to be as special for the next class. So that summer, buy another chair at a garage sale and start all over. That is fantastic. I I love that. I love that. In our show notes, and I guess, Shannon, this is a request. In in our show notes on our main website, successinsightpodcast.com, we love having two things. Well, we love quotes during the podcast if our authors would like to read a passage from one of the books, but we also include lots of pictures if we can. And so I remember, you know, we were chatting a little bit about the book chair because I just thought of this that is a fantastic idea. And so I have to say for every 
teacher, librarian, and the children's book genre. It's like, do you have a reading chair? And so now that I know you do, I would love if you would share a, a picture of one of those chairs so we can include that on the show notes. But then you all, sure thing. yeah, thank you. And but you just actually threw a curveball at me, which is the oh. <laughs> the book tasting table. I oh, I okay. love that. And so my my question is, do you have pictures of what the table looks like as you're as you've set this yeah. up? All right. I do. Okay. So <laughs> I'm thinking we need a picture of the the book tasting because I mean the, okay. the beauty of this genre, whether it's a could be a, a live on YouTube or Facebook podcasting, is our listeners can imagine what our guests are doing in their lives and through whether they're they're authors and or leadership coaches consultants and it doesn't take a lot of imagination to say that was a pretty cool idea i want to be able to incorporate (laughs) this or i want to talk to shannon and and get some more guidance from her how can i do this for my students because in this day and age i think it's becoming harder and harder to be a, a a teacher a school teacher whether it's elementary all the way up to high school, because there's just so much pressure to have these accomplishments, whether they're tests or, you know, you have so much material you have to do, but it sounds like you've integrated your passions and love of the students, of the reading, of the books and the writing, creativity, gratitude, kindness into who you are as a teacher. And I think that is, that's wonderful. That's a, that's a wonderful, uh, wonderful gift that you're giving. So let's Thank you. talk a little bit about the book since this was intended to have you share a little bit about your writing. So when did you begin down this path to and actually actualize or take action on this? I want to be a book author. I want to write a book. When, when did you start that? When did, and tell us about that first book. Yeah, well, I wanted to do it. I wanted to do it and it was always in the back of my mind and I do little things here and there, but I started out just, I wrote an article called a D to day for chicken soup for the soul. And it was about an experiment I had done with my family where we decided to do a good D to day for a year. And so I sent that into chicken soup for the soul because I thought, well, this was such a great thing that happened to our family because I really felt like it caused us to think of others more that I wanted to share it with other people. And so they, they put that story in there into find your happiness was the, the title of it. And then they ended up putting it in two more of their chicken soup books, which was really cool and, and, and a surprise. I didn't know it was going to end up making it into some of the other ones, but that was kind of my first publications that were like, the non-nerdy ones. Like I was published in like teacher books and things, but that was something that was more of a passion project. And then I found out about this grant and I'm like grant writing queen. That's how I actually get to do a lot of the projects and cool things that I do in my classroom because I write grants and seek opportunities, any kind of fundraising things that we can do so that these kids can experience some of the fun stuff that I want them to do in the classroom. So I found out about this grant that's specifically for Indiana teachers through Eli Lilly that you get to pursue a passion project of some kind. It doesn't even have to be related to school. And it was an $8,000 grant at the time. 
and thought, wow, you know, I've never gotten a grant that big, but I really love to see if I could write this grant to pursue writing books for kids. And so I wrote it and lo and behold, I got it. And so that was what started for me, um, being able to, I didn't have the confidence in myself or having young kids. I didn't want to use thousands of dollars to invest in learning how to be a children's book writer when I knew I needed to be saving for their college and paying off my master's degree and all of those things. So it was what really gave me the confidence to start and try it because it wasn't something that I was investing our own money in. And I went to Los Angeles to this children's book writing conference that is huge and amazing. And there are like a thousand children's book writers and and illustrators that go there every year. I went to another one on St. Simon Island that summer. I joined the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. I later ended up Who would have ever thought that just joining because of that grant, I would end up being the regional advisor for the state of Indiana and planning all of their conferences down the road. But um, imagine that. Yeah. But I, I started learning and I started taking online classes and listening to the webinars and the podcasts and everything I could get my hands on. And then I ended up writing this book about my daughter, Maddie, who has amblyopia, which is lazy eye. And we caught it when she was three years old, but she ended up having to wear an eye patch over her good eye for three years. And that's not a really fun thing to have to do. And I I wrote this book about how she got through it with a sense of humor. And I sent it off to a publisher and it, it ended up getting taken. So that was my first book. And then it just kind of went from there. I did two more books with that publisher. And then I was at I'm still the gifted coordinator at my school. And so I was at a gifted conference and I was speaking to the people at the Free Spirit Publishing booth. And I said, you know, these books are awesome. They're all social emotional topics. And that's like where my heart is. And I said, I've written this book about a perfectionist. And they're like, oh, that's right up our alley. You know, you should send it in. And and so I did. And, you know, months later, I, I got an email saying that they were interested in that book. And so that ended up becoming Penelope Perfect. And then I wrote another book that's kind of the contrast of that, Coasting Casey, about a gifted underachiever who's very creative but not as interested in the academic things until he learns how to infuse that creativity into the other things that he does. Fast forward now, I have two more books coming out with Free Spirit this fall about growth mindset, which I'm just on fire for right now. Growth mindset is just such a big thing that I incorporate into my classroom about that you can learn anything if you work hard enough and if you learn from your mistakes and you don't give up. And so that is such a big thing in my classroom. That's a concept that I teach my kids over and over and over. And I I even get told by the fourth grade teacher, wow, you really, I can tell they understand growth mindset. They will work hard and they don't back down to challenges. And I love that. Those two books are coming out, but I've also written my, my newest children's book that came out was Monster and Dragon Write Poems. And that's just a book because I love poetry. I have a poetry club and I, I, I wanted to have a book that showed this monster and dragon playfully writing different kinds of poetry so kids could be exposed to more than just like the Dr. Seuss types of rhymes, like other forms, like a Sincane or a haiku or a limerick. And to get to see how they're playfully done by these characters that are trying to enter a poetry contest. But my newest books that just came out last month are actually for teachers. So all my other books to this point, the seven books that are out are for children, but the two newest ones are for teachers. And a lot of the things like I described, the book tasting, the author chair, those kinds of things that I like to incorporate into my classroom, just to give that little extra and to make kids feel special and, and just 
I, I, I want it to be more fun. So Go the Extra Smile is the book that is all of those ideas, just the little extras, the little hooks, the little gimmicks, little props, little things that kids look forward to and want to come to school the next day because they can't wait to see what you're going to do with this. And then the other one is be an amazing writing teacher. And of course, writing is a passion of mine. And so that one is is all of the different creative types of exercises and things I do in the writing block itself, like the author chair, just little extra things that you could do to make them feel like real writers and to make them feel like their writing matters. So all of those lessons are packed into that book. And those two are through Pieces of Learning, which has been a great company that ends up being at a lot of the conferences that I'm presenting at. And I, I got to know them through, through lots of gifted conferences that I go to. There's just like a little piece of me in all of these books and it's fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it sounds like, I mean, you're, 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 you're doing something that I think many adults struggle with and that is pursuing their passion and because we we struggle you know we we have our obligations the the mortgage the rent the family the this the that and it it's very clear from chatting with you shannon that you have artfully gracefully i'm sure not easily it's never easy but to incorporate much of who you are and your passion into everything that you're doing with your writing, giving back to the teachers, with with the children. One thing that's also I'm curious about is the books, the you know, tale of perfectionism gone wild, the tale of Penelope Perfect, Coasting Casey, tale of busting boredom, and then monster and dragon write poems. Is kids are so are are like sponges when they're early when they're growing up and it's in their early stages of their, their development, childhood development. And what I love, and you used the term earlier, emotional intelligence, social or social, emotional intelligence. And a lot of that social, emotional intelligence plays a huge role when we become adults. Cause if we don't learn to deal with some of the issues we're having, you know, anxiety or, you know, the need to be perfect or not knowing what to do when I'm bored and not having a creative outlet. And what I love about the books is it's giving the children a path to understand what they're going through. Because if we don't understand it, that comes back in buckets when we're we're adults. And sometimes that's not always a good thing. You, You also mentioned about your daughter. Tell us again what the, the, the lazy, I think my niece had that. And the, ch- the challenge of having to go through that and using humor, what was the effect on your daughter? I mean, how did she take to that? Did, did, did she feel like, why am I wearing the eye patch and nobody else had it? Or Yeah. So when, when she had to start wearing that, I, in all my years of teaching, had not had a student that had to wear it, which... Most of the time, if if you're going to have to wear an eye patch, it's it's normally when you're in the younger years. So preschool age would be more prevalent than when I was teaching first grade. But I still had not seen in our in our school even any students that ever wore that. So I thought it was a very rare thing. And it's funny, like once you put something out there, then all these people out of the woodwork come and you're like, oh yeah, well my my son had this or my uncle had this or I had to wear that, you know. I joined a lot of parent groups to get through it myself, but then also to support them and Amblyopia Awareness Month. I always donate my 
I'm not a pirate books to kids that are new into wearing patches. So it was something that she felt very different. And the whole reason the title is I'm not a pirate is because she didn't like it when people would say, Oh, look at the little pirate. You know, that wasn't funny. (laughs) The funny thing is though, she really did keep her sense of humor. And after three years of wearing a patch that year for Halloween, she dressed up as a pirate. So that was pretty funny. And she just kind of made jokes about, you know, well, my lazy eye, if it were a kid, it just wouldn't pick up its toys. So I'm giving my good eye a break and making that lazy eye do some work by covering the good eye. And, you know, my brain has to to work now with this other eye. So she did get through it with a sense of humor. And I wanted to be able to help other kids that might feel like they're different, but to see, oh, wait, here's this other girl that had to patch and here's how she got through it. It would seem to me that your daughter's also developed empathy for others, which as kids, we need to learn how to develop empathy when people are different than we are. Absolutely. And, and yes. I'm sure that's continuing in the in her in her growth and development, how she's done that. Yeah. The how I mean these books, and by the way, you mentioned Dr. Seuss. I'm sorry. Oh, the oh, places we Seuss. will go. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the places we will go. I have that and, book, yeah. All right. And what do you do with an idea? I have that book too. <laughs> oh my God, this is great. <laughs> what I love about the children's books, and this was actually something that was alluded to, I was listening to one of your YouTube interviews, is these books are not just about, or not just for the child, but they can also be and help us adults inform who we are and how, how perhaps we not only treat other adults or other peers, subordinates, or even our children that are different. And so it, it dawns on me, like these, these books, like the tale of perfectionism, I mean, that's a big problem in the whole leadership circles with people who are business owners and have, they're pursuing Absolutely. this perfection and it's causing havoc everywhere else. Mm-hmm. And I would think that your parents of the children that are in your class are learning about, or the, the readers of your books they can get some nuggets of gold or wisdom out of these as well. For sure. Especially the growth mindset stuff. My goodness, when I was researching for that over the last year in preparation for these books, just some of the stuff that I would I would put into the books are things that I'm reading and learning and listening to podcasts and reading these books from all these inspirational people. I'm like, that's growth mindset, what they're talking about right there. So it is about progress is what, what causes happiness. Perfectionism causes anxiety. And my little saying to myself is in some small way, better every day. And so just in little incremental ways, we can improve and it makes a big difference versus trying to do it all and feeling like a failure because you can't do it all, but instead feeling successful when you have made some step toward a goal and trying to teach my kids that, you know, we set goals all the time in my classroom, but I won't allow them to set a a long-term goal of more than a month because I want them to see little steps that they're taking to make that progress and to feel that success as they're going. And I came up with a term that I made up myself a few years ago called a growth spurt. And what that is, is when you make a mistake or you have a setback or you have a trial of some kind that you learn from that. And that is what actually makes you get better. 
And so we talk about, you know, oh, we had a growth spurt or I'll say it, you know, if, if I do something wrong or forget something or make a mistake, oh, I just had a growth spurt. Now I know how to do it the right way though. And we have, I made this flip chart in my room it's just a three ring binder that I inverted. And so the rings are sticking up and it's kind of like in a V shape. And on each page of the binder that is facing the kids, like the first page says plan A. And then if something happens, you know, technology fails sometimes. I'm sure you know that having a podcast. Right. I, I go over simply and just very calmly go, well, we're going on to plan B and I'll flip that thing to plan B. And, you know, we'll, we'll joke around with the kids. Sometimes we'll end up on plan C or D and I'll say, well, it's a good thing. There are 26 letters of the alphabet because we have all these opportunities to try again. And so when you frame things in that way, then their mindsets develop to expect it not to always work the first time and that that's okay. And that I'm not freaking out when something doesn't work out, that it's just calmly, Oh, Yes, we got to try another way. I just had a growth spurt. We're going to try plan B. And so that little flip chart has been so powerful as a visual reminder that plan A doesn't always work. And that was a big thing with Penelope Perfect is understanding that something completely out of her control, a thunderstorm knocked out the power. So she got up late for school, had never been late before. And she is freaking out because she's one of those that her schedule has to be just so and everything has to be planned out. And I, I admit there's a lot of that in me where if, if I have a certain schedule and all these great ambitions for the day and then something puts a halt to those, it's upsetting. And so you have to learn to train yourself to prepare for those moments that that happens and just think back, okay, so that's just a growth spurt that I'm going to learn from. And this is how I'm going to react to this now. This is how I'm going to try again. I have to share with you, Shannon. I don't think you'll ever get tired of, of wanting to work with the children, but if you ever wanted to work with adults, there's a huge market out there for you. <laughs> there's a huge market because heaven knows there's lots of leadership how-tos, team how-tos, and millions of hits on Google, and there's going to be a million more at the end of 2020, which means somebody's not doing something right. Okay, it's not working. <laughs> so maybe we have to go back to basics and we'll we'll start with your books. Yeah. <laughs> with the the work that you're doing now, I mean you're 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 speaking, you're presenting, you're you're being interviewed on podcasts like this. What are some of the acknowledgments that you're getting, whether it be from the children or the kids, about the impact of having gone through Mrs. Anderson's class and reading her books, or we just read your book. And what are, what are you hearing about your work? Oh gosh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Did I put you on the spot? I didn't mean to. You put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like with all the clubs that I have and things, one of the reasons I do that is because I don't want to let go of the kids that I spent a whole year with. And so then it's gratifying to me when I have a club and I had these students in third grade and then they join in fourth and fifth grade and they tell me things like, well, they wanted to just still be able to come back. And so things like that mean a lot to me. I, I like to try to still be involved with my students even after I've had them, not just in the clubs, but other things. For example, I had this student named Aubrey that 
just a sweetheart. I, she's one of those that you wish you had 20 of. And she always had, spy, had said that she wanted to be an author too. And so every chance I could get, I tried to give her opportunities enter a poetry contest and you know all these different things. And when my book, Go the Extra Smile, was still in process, I just had this idea one day, you know what I should do? I should ask Aubrey if she will write the foreword to that book. And then that would make her a published author. Of course. And not only that, but she would do a better job writing a foreword because she knows me from the inside, from being in my classroom more so than a fellow teacher or someone else that I might ask to do that. So I asked her and she did. So she is the you know, the author of the foreword of my book. And it, it's very meaningful to me because she was very sweet and what she said about having me for a teacher and just getting to follow her path. And I, I end up befriending a lot of my students' parents on social media. So I get to keep up with them over the years on what they're doing. But yeah, I, I, I guess I will say it's, it's been positive. I've had lots of positive feedback and encouragement to keep going. <laughs> I will have to say, I mean, it's, it, if, that alone is that story alone is enough to to give you that aha moment. Now, and what I'm doing is I'm doing the right things. This is why I do what I do, and that's that's phenomenal. Now, now to put you on the spot just a little bit more because hey, it's my show. I get to do this, and you were just <laughs> given an award at the end of the year. I was wondering if you could chat a little bit about that. Yeah, it was a total surprise. So I do this big publication project with my students where they write a book. And I send it off to this company. It's called Student Treasures. A lot of teachers use it. And what they do is they take a child's... I mean, they, they send you a kit and the kids write their story on the, the papers in the kit and then they make it into a hardcover bound book for them. So each student gets to have this hardcover bound book. Again, grant writing. Of course. So they get this book. And each year, I mean, it's just been such a special project and it's been so cool. I've taught long enough that I have been to a lot of my students' graduation open houses and they have that book sitting out on their table. Something they saved from first grade when we used to do it in first grade and then some of my third graders. And so it's just awesome. And I know that it means a lot to them. And it's also a great way to motivate young writers because here they are, they're an author of a book. And so each year I've kind of added to it. So I ended up finding out about this company called Budsies that makes stuffed animals out of a child's drawing. And I thought, how awesome would that be if the main character of their story, because most of them pick animals or something. Right. If I sent those into this company and they made a stuffed animal out of their character, how cool would that be? And so I've done that for the last several years. And it is amazing to see... I mean, just their, their excitement. I mean, you'll have to see... like my. I have it as my pinned tweet on Twitter because so many people ask to see this video, but it's a video that ended up going viral. That is the reveal of when the box came in from the Budsies company. And I've worked on these stories with these kids for a month at a time and have edited them and helped them and re helped them revise. And I intimately know their characters and their stories. So when that Budsies box arrives, it each one is custom made. So I'm telling you like, you can tell like, okay, that was this kid's drawing. I know that I know this character. And so I'll have the kids come over to the box, the one that's on top and they get to go over and reach in and get it and, and see this thing that started as this little seed in their minds. 
as this now tangible object that they're holding that they created in their own imagination. And it's just so cool and special and their reactions are just priceless. So I ended up doing a reaction video of every single kid going to the box and pulling it out. And I've done that for several years, but that ended up going viral. And the today show, I I get this call one day I was going this past summer to Toledo, Ohio, to a little writing retreat for 10 days. And I get this phone call in the middle of my drive. And it is the lady that um, does the publicity for Budsies. And she says, I'm just letting you know that in 10 minutes, you're going to be getting a call from the Today Show. (laughs) (laughs) What? And so I had to pull off on an exit. And, you know, I'm like, what? And sure enough, they called and they interviewed me about this project. So that was really exciting. But then I lived in the glow of that and loved that and loved getting to show the kids that they were on the Today Show interview and that I'd send in their pictures and things. And they thought that was amazing, of course. But then on New Year's Eve this year, as in what, two days ago? Two days ago. Yeah. In the afternoon, I get a text from Budsies again. And she tells me, she said, well, I'm just letting you know that the Today Show just put out a list of the top 10 teachers that inspired them. And you're number four on the list. And I was like, what? And so that was a huge surprise. And um, of course, I immediately went on to the internet and looked up on the Today Show you know, dot com. And sure enough, there I was as number four on their list. So it was just incredibly exciting and humbling to, I mean, it's the Today Show. And so you don't expect that. But just it just came out of this little project that, you know, I decided let's do one more thing. And and since then, I've, I've added things. I buy a white dress every year. And I let the kids illustrate, not while I'm wearing it, of course, I spread it out on the table and they get to draw their characters on the dress as well. And I wear that to the publication party. And so if you, I think I, I'll send you a picture if I haven't already of, of the dress with all of their stuffed animals. And it's just a lot of fun. It's a great culminating project for the year. So we get to have the big party with their books and the stuffed animals. And we set it up museum style around my classroom. We invite all the parents in. They each make their own little book trailer about their book, a little commercial. And we watch those together and have cookies and punch and just celebrate their little book launch party. And it's just a lot of fun, but it's turned into this this bigger thing that other teachers have picked up. And so that's in my book, Be an Amazing Writing Teacher. One of the projects that you can do with your kids, of course, if you do a little fundraising and grant writing. (laughs) Of course. You know, one of the nice things about our conversation is, and even within your own work, and that goes without saying, is I would imagine their teachers are struggling and even teachers who are in the elementary school, you know, and and there's, there's teachers leaving this profession by the hundreds. Okay. And, one of the things that you're doing through this work, and it's very obvious, is you're giving at least this segment of the, the teaching population, those working with young kids, ideas that they can then take and make their own. So it's not like they have to, oh, we have to, this is what Shannon Anderson do, did, and we should find some way to do what she did. And that's good. I mean, they could, you know, uh, copying, it's a great form of flattery, but to take this look at what look at what she did what can you do to to take that idea and build upon it and make it your own and that's that exactly. i think is so important because 
I, I know there's a saying, you know, our, our children are our future. I know I've heard that before. Education, you know, we value education. And then it's just, yet there's still the struggle of keeping good teachers in this profession to pay them, to pay them well, acknowledge the hard work and the impact that they're having. And there's huge opportunity here. And so it, it's very obvious this work that you're doing, it, it should be a seed for others to be able to pick up and, and make their own. I, I think Shannon, we could keep going and going on this interview, and, and that's okay. <laughs> you know, we you know we could talk about other things, and I, I do want to acknowledge a couple items too. Is we'll provide the links back to the 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 Today Show to, to Twitter. You know, we would love as you had just offered the the picture of you with the dress, and you know, maybe even if there's a kid cop picture of the kids, if it's okay, I don't know if it's okay with they're holding their stuffed animals, and we put those up on the show notes as well. But if our listeners would like to learn more about you and your work, where are the best places for them to go? So my website is shannonisteaching.com. Pretty easy. And if you go onto the website, it's going to have a sign-up form that if you want to go on, I do a monthly newsletter. I don't have more time to do more than once a month. So trust me, you're not going to get spammed with an email a day or anything like that. Um, but the first Friday of every month, so tomorrow, the new newsletter is coming out. But I am always trying to find ideas. I'm like a voracious nerd, I guess, of information. I'm always trying to listen to, you know, podcasts like yours that are inspiring, that teach us new ways of looking at things. And so it's kind of a place for me where I compile podcasters, interview guests and things, and they get to compile and learn all of this information. And so I guess it's my way of compiling information and being able to share it with the world in the written form. So if you sign up for that, then you'll get my newsletter. It's primarily targeted at teachers. I have some things in there that are great for writers as well, but it's primarily targeted at teachers. So if you sign up for that, you'll get the first Friday of every month, you'll get the things, the little nuggets that I've gathered in that month's time that either have helped me as a teacher or as a person, motivators, those kinds of things. I'll share with them in the newsletter, this podcast. I, I'm always sharing podcast episodes that I love or books that I'm reading, those types of things that I feel like can help other people. So that's that's probably the best way. I'm also, of course, on Facebook, on Twitter, at Shannon Teaches. I just newly joined LinkedIn. So I'm on there, but there's not much on there yet. <laughs> well, you know, I tell you, on LinkedIn, you had the you had your banner up there and you had your custom <laughs> URL. So, I mean, that, you, you've actually achieved two of the four top pieces of real estate on a LinkedIn profile. So congratulations okay. for that. <laughs> and, you, you're, and you're wearing the, the, the dress that all the kids drew on. So that, that's, that's pretty nice too. Yes. You know, Shannon, it has been a, a pleasure. And, I, you know, there's just one more question. We're in the new year. You have no doubt a busy schedule. You've got your, you've got your daughters, your, your, your husband, the police chief. I got to be careful what town this is. So I don't go speeding into it or out of it, uh, or else I may inadvertently <laughs> meet him. What do you do for yourself to to kind of help keep you centered? What what keeps you centered? I have a strong faith and I'm always trying to grow in my faith, but I also, one of my new year's resolutions is to try meditating every day. And it's just something new. I'm, I actually, (laughs) 
looked up how to meditate. I didn't know what it was. You know, is it someone saying, um, you know, and sitting cross-legged, you know, I really didn't know. But because I listen to so many podcasts and read so many books and that one of the common ingredients of all these motivational, successful people is they meditate. I'm like, what is this? And so I'm, I'm trying to do five minutes of meditation a day to just clear my mind and clear off those from what I've read so far. It's clearing out the the bad anxiety hormones that can be alerted in your system as you're worrying about the day and things that can go wrong or whatever that you have to do and bringing in the good vibes and the good feelings and just clearing your mind. And so I think that it will be a, a positive thing. The things that I do as far as, you know, just like I said with the Maya Angelou quote, you know, those things that I do are actually things that do fulfill me. Like I would want to do that. Like even if it wasn't my job, like with the writing and sharing of ideas, that is something that I just enjoy doing. I've always enjoyed doing. And I am really big on kindness and promoting kindness and those things. You know, I have a whole Facebook group. Anyone can join. I'd love to have more people on there. We have about a thousand people on this group called Adida Day. And it's based off of that very first story I sent into Chicken Soup for the Soul where my family did Adida Day. And it, it's not for people to join for Adida Day challenge that you have to do Adida Day to be a part of it. It's a place where we can share positive messages, the blessings that you're experiencing, things maybe that you've blessed others with. When you're scrolling and you see this video, that's just this awesome thing where someone did this for a kid or for an animal or for whatever, you know, it's just those good feelings. And so it's just a place where we're able to compile all those great things. So doing things like that are ways that I feel like fulfill me and help me. Fantastic. Well, thank you for that. And I don't know, maybe it's the new year, but I'm also inclined to put you on the spot one more time. Oh. Uh, you can you can handle it. Look, you can handle all okay. these kids year after year. <laughs> you can handle one more getting put on the spot. What okay. piece of advice or insight recommendation, maybe it's more of an insight that you would give to other teachers who are about ready to embark on this journey of, of teaching and working with young kids to help shape their minds and get them ready for what's in their future, what piece of advice would you give or insight? Well, one of the biggest pieces of advice I give in the book, Go the Extra Smile, is to try not to get overwhelmed, but instead to look at something that you're trying, like if you're trying to plan a particular lesson to use questions to help you. Like, what could you ask yourself that is going to help you to create this great experience instead of just a textbook lesson that you read the script out of the teacher's manual? So asking yourself those questions, like, what is one way I could flip this so that they're working in groups or partners instead of individually on this? What is one way, instead of showing this thing on the whiteboard that they suggest in the lesson plan, that I could do this more interactively? What is one way I could bring in a prop that's going to make a difference? What's a way that I could... I could put a surprise in the middle of the lesson. What is one way I can give a teaser the day before so the next day they can't wait for this lesson? Asking yourself those questions and just as you get better at asking those questions, you'll come up with better answers too. But that is one of the ways that I plan all of the things that I do is I have this list of questions and I ask myself, okay, so how could I do this? And it's not just asking, how could I make it better, but being more specific on how could I infuse this? Or how could I cause this? Or how could I have 
Could I look up a joke? I mean, we've got Google at our fingertips. Could I look up a joke that has to do with this math concept that we're doing today? Just those little things that you can flip things and make them different because novel experiences are what get the kids' attention. And so sometimes I'll do a video of me teaching the lesson dressed up as something else. Those are on my YouTube channel, but they're marked private. So no one can get into those. They're embarrassing. But (laughs) like I'll dress up as Grandma Gray and I'll have this gray wig that I put on and Grandma Gray is teaching this lesson on multiplication. Or I'll have just silly... One of the kids asked one time, well, it'd be fun to have a, a deep sea diver teach us this. And I'm like, oh, really? And so I got on all my kids' swim stuff. I put on a, a swim cap and goggles and put a towel around my neck. And I taught a lesson as deep sea diving, whatever my name was in that one. <laughs> and just showing that, you know, doing something like that, even just once a month, they can't wait. They don't care what the lesson is. They can't wait to see you being goofy and doing the lesson. So just figuring out how can you do things in a different way? Ask yourself the questions of ways that you can go the extra smile. That's what it's all about to me. Because if it's more fun for the kids, it's going to be more fun for you. Wow. Fantastic. And yeah, there's so many ways to go with that. Go that extra smile. I mean, it's there's so many ways. And on that note, Shannon, it has been an absolute pleasure to, to have you uh, on our podcast to help us kick off the new year. So thank you so much for taking time out of your, no doubt, busy day. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been fun. All right, folks. Wow. What a kickoff to the new year. We've just been chatting with Shannon Anderson. She's an award-winning children's book author and third grade teacher. Numerous books to her credit, including Penelope Perfect, The Tale of Perfectionism Gone Wild, Coasting Casey, A Tale of Busting Boredom in School, Monster and Dragon Write Poems, and one of her first books, I'm Not a Pirate, and just a lot of insights and wisdom, and there's definitely the the passion. That's a common thread throughout this entire interview, and the great work that she is doing to really ignite the the power of education and working with young children. And so lots of opportunities here, folks, to go that extra smile. So hope you enjoy this and love to hear your feedback. Let us know on successinsightpodcast.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. And of course, we're going to provide all the links back to Shannon's sites as well, including Shannon is teaching, her Twitter page, Facebook page. I'm going to ask her about the lock page, but I'm sure she'll say no to that one. But the... We definitely check her out, sign up for her monthly newsletter, and we'd love to have your comments. What did you think of our podcast today? And hey, it's the new year. Go out there. Go that extra smile. Do something for someone else. Make a difference. It's new year, new decade, new ideas. Lots of work still to do. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, go out there, have a phenomenal day, a phenomenal year, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Success Insight Podcast. Take care, folks. Success Insight is a production of Fox Coaching and First Story Strategies. Find us online, successinsightpodcast.com.